Well, welcome to Newport Church at Home Online. So glad you joined us today. I pray that during our time of worship, during the message today, that your heart would be uplifted, you'd have a sense of God's presence, a sense that God is with you and that God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? May this be a time when you connect with God and God speaks into your heart in a unique, significant, and powerful way. Let's open our hearts as we begin to worship God together. Good morning, church. We are so excited that you're with us this morning. We pray that as we worship together, that your heart would be enriched with his love and his grace and his mercy. Peace like a river, wash over.
Sunday and welcome to our home. I want to share some thoughts around the sense of sound today. There is nothing like the sound of family gathering. The noise, the clattering, um, also comes with the mess but that's part of life. Nothing is worse than silence and nothing is um, worse also than isolation. So when Jonathan and I got married, the one thing we had in common that we still have in common is our love for inviting people into our home. We are always at our best when we've got our kids home and the house is full. We love when we invite new people into our home and that sound of family is so beautiful. And we know that it is also very beautiful to the ears of Father God. He says in Psalm 68 verse six, this is what the Bible says. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. This is the season for us as a church family that we should be looking to those who are alone, those who are isolated, to see how we can bring them that sense of family sound, the laughter, the joy, sometimes the tears, but the uplifting of hope. So sound is a very important part of our lives. And for those of you who may have, you know, some sounds in your head that ruminate, I wanna really encourage you to put on some worship and to listen to some new songs, you know, to delete the past, to somehow um, replace what was painful maybe when it comes to sounds and fill it with praise for God. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for your family. And in this season, please do not be alone. We're here for you. We love you. 
there are many homes open right now to embrace new people, to embrace those who are, have been alone. And today is the day to reach out when there is the moment of connection offered please take that moment because we love you and we want to make sure that you experience that amazing, joyful, memorable sound of family. God bless you. I love you. I'm speaking today about the angle and attitude of re-entry. I wonder if you've ever been walking beside a pond or a lake or beside the ocean and you've seen a flat stone and you've picked it up, maybe selected a flat stone that fits in your hand with a large flat surface and you pick that stone up and you have thrown it as hard as you can across the surface of the water, paying special attention to make sure that the angle at which you throw it is as flat as possible and, and that there's sufficient uh, motion to cause that stone to skip across the surface of the water. If the angle is right, it will bounce off the surface of the water. If the angle is wrong, it will fly into the water and create a big splash. Of course, if you do it well, you could maybe cause the stone to skip four, five, ten times. I actually, in my research, saw that the world record is 88 times. I'm not quite sure how that's possible, but that's the world record in the Guinness Book of Records. Well, of course, when an aircraft is re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, it's confronted as it enters the Earth's atmosphere with a similar surface to the stone bouncing across the water. And I want to read this from the FAA website, the Federal Aviation uh, Administration website. And this is what they say. Um, Returning from space, astronauts face a similar challenge. Earth's atmosphere presents to them a dense fluid medium, which at orbital velocities is not at all that different from a lake's surface. They must plan to hit the atmosphere at the precise angle and speed for a safe landing. If they hit it too steeply or too fast, they risk making a big splash, which would mean a fiery end. If their impact is too shallow, they may literally skip off the atmosphere and back into the cold of space. So finding the right angle of re-entry is the science of atmospheric re-entry. If the angle of re-entry is too steep, the spacecraft will, will burn up on re-entry. If it's too shallow, it will bounce off the Earth's atmosphere and stay in outer space. And so this is a critical time, and it's one of the most difficult problems that spacecraft engineers have to solve. When a spacecraft is returning into the Earth's atmosphere, it enters what is known as a re-entry corridor. And uh, that is a corridor in which it is in the ideal trajectory to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. If the vehicle strays out of that corridor, it'll either skip out or it'll burn out. For the uh, space shuttle, the ideal angle of re-entry was 40 degrees. And so it was critical that a spacecraft re-entering the Earth's atmosphere got the right angle of re-entry. And for all of us, as we navigate, as we, as we make this transition from uh, a world impacted by COVID into a post-COVID world where we are re-entering many of the things that we were doing before, uh, the, the, the COVID lockdown, we are all of us in a place where we have to re-enter and the, re, uh, the angle of our re-entry is critical. If it's too shallow, we won't be able to successfully re-enter. If it's too steep, we won't be able to successfully navigate that re-entry process. We're all going to have to navigate the angle of our re-entry. The question is, 
how are we going to do that? The question is, when are we going to do that? And many of those uh, many of those things are outside of our control. For example, we are all subject to government mandates. And those mandates that are given to us with the various phases of re-entry, or what the government are referring to as reopening, those, those phases are ones that we, uh, we are, are being told that we need to abide by and that we need to abide by. And so those are out of our control. We're all having to, to navigate, for example, school, distance learning to in-class tuition. Um, right now, as I'm filming, the Newport Mesa School Unified School District is having a board meeting to decide whether uh, school is going to return uh, to a hybrid version of two days in class, three days out of class. And by the time that this uh, video is aired, that decision will have been made, whether to re-enter now or whether to wait until the end of this term uh, in December. And so those questions, uh, after so many months of, uh, of distance learning, those, the question of re-entry is, is, is very real. When it comes to the re-entry of working from home, working remotely to working in an office building or working with a team in an office building, uh, many businesses are, are going to continue to work remotely. Others are going to make movements towards me, uh, uh, working in, in an environment where a team can, can gather with obviously all of the mandated protocols in place. When it comes to a ch our church, uh, in, uh, at the beginning of November, it'll be uh, nine months or eight, eight to nine months since we have met in person uh, in our church building. And uh, we're going to have to transition from meeting online in our living rooms, watching the service online as we are today. We're going to have to re-enter uh, a a, uh, a our church building, open the doors and 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 begin to meet again as we did previously. And we have chosen not to use the term reopen because our church has never been closed. The church is not a building. The church is the people, the 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 family of God. The church is the community. We are the church. We gather in a building. So we're not using the term reopening, but we are using the term re-entering. We're re-entering the, the, the gathering together of God's people. And uh, the, the stay-at-home mandate that has been, uh, has offered, uh, has caused us to, to not be able to gather uh, is we are going to be transitioning out of that. Um, so we've all of us realized, and we've been looking at this as we've as we've uh, been studying this theme of transition. Transitions are hard. Transitions are not easy. Uh, transitions are often not things that we we seek. Or transitions are uncomfortable. Transitions are uh, are times when we become more vulnerable. Um, Reentry requires special attention. When we transition from one season to another, we are uh, naturally more vulnerable. Um, and in every area of life, when we're in a transition, those are the times when we become more vulnerable. So we need to be aware of that. And we need to be looking at the angle of our re-entry in every single area of our lives and to be successfully getting the right angle of re-entry so that we can fulfill and complete our mission individually and as a church. Um, I'll never forget the day uh, when I was a, at a soccer match with our son, Bo. I was watching him play soccer and the space shuttle, uh, which had been redirected because of bad weather, uh, was en route to land at Edwards Air Force Base. And we were in Costa Mesa and the, and the shuttle flew overhead. It was a very cloudy day and, and I couldn't see the shuttle, but I could hear it. 
And it was an amazing moment to think that this space shuttle had been in outer space uh, for all of this time. It had successfully uh, re-entered the Earth's atmosphere. It had got the angle of re-entry exactly right at 40 degrees, and it was now flying towards Edwards Air Force Base. Once it had entered the Earth's atmosphere, all of the normal four forces of flight that any other aircraft uh, has is subject to were were coming to bear upon the uh, upon the space shuttle, and what the the space shuttle needed to do was to have what is known as the correct attitude as it flew towards it de its destination. Basically, the attitude of an aircraft is the angle of the nose um, in relation to the horizon. If it has a nose up attitude, an aircraft has a nose up attitude, uh, the aircraft will begin to lift. If it has a nose down attitude, the aircraft will begin to descend. But even when the aircraft is maintaining altitude, it needs to have a nose up attitude in order for it to fly at optimum performance. And so now the aircraft, in order to reach its destination, not only needed to have had the right angle to enter the Earth's atmosphere, it needed the right attitude to fly through the air and land at its destination, which was Edwards Air Force Base. And I think that is such a great example for all of us as we look at every aspect of the re-entry of our lives into this post-COVID world. We need to get the angle of our re-entry right, and we need to get our, the, our attitude right so that we can successfully reach our destination. Now, when it comes to the, uh, the angle of re-entry, um, many of the facets and aspects of that are outside of our control. They, we are subject to government mandates. We are subject to school mandates. We are subject to the various phases that we are in. And so many of the aspects of the angle of our re-entry are out of our control. However, when it comes to the attitude of our re-entry, that is very much within our control. And so if we're gonna reach our destination, we need to know how to successfully navigate the angle of re-entry and the attitude of our flight as we reach our destination. Um, when it comes to the attitude of our re-entry, what is it? What is the attitude of our re-entry? What should it be? And I think as we look at the theme that we've been covering over the last few weeks, in the series, we've never been this way before. And the picture of the nation of Israel about to enter the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness, there are some great examples that we've been looking at about how to enter the promised land, about how to enter into this next season. The interesting thing is that when the nation of Israel entered the promised land, in actual fact, it wasn't uh, it was a re-entry. Uh, this wasn't the first time God's people had occupied or lived in or been in the land. This was a re-entry. It was a re-entry 500 years after Abraham's first entry into the promised land. And of course, Abraham's son, Isaac, his grandson, Jacob, and then uh, his great-grandson Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. The whole family came down to Egypt, spent 400 years in slavery there, 40 years in the wilderness, and now nearly 500 years or maybe more than 500 years later, they're about to re-enter the promised land. And I think there are some great lessons that we can learn as we look at the angle and attitude of our re-entry. One of the things that God wanted his people to do was to take the lessons that they had learned in the wilderness into the promised land. We've, we've looked at that. They, he wanted them to take their desert spirituality into the distraction and the worldliness and wealth of the promised land. 
the simplicity of the desert into the complexity of the promised land, the clarity they had in the wilderness to the ambiguity in Canaan, the unity that they experienced in the wilderness to the disunity of Canaan and the seven nations that were there. We looked at how God did three things. He established a central place of worship. He established new patterns of worship and he established a place for everyone, all of which are critically important for us. We need to understand the importance and centrality of the, our place of worship, the house of God. Uh, even though we've been able to gather, even though we've been able to gather in our homes and watch online, the centrality of coming together as God's people gathering in his house um, and, and the importance of that. The importance of having to establish new patterns of worship. For many of us online was a new pattern of worship. Now we're going to have to re-enter into what were old patterns of worship, but now in, in a sense, in a new season, approaching it with a fresh approach to gathering again in God's house. And then finally, understanding there's a place for everyone. So as we work to reestablish these, and it requires hard work, when we begin to do something we've never done, haven't done for a long time, it requires extra work. If we haven't exercised for a few months and then begin to exercise, it's going to require more work. There's going to be some aches and pains. Uh, when we are watching our intake of food, there's going to be uh, some aches and pains and some discomfort and some sacrifices. But all of that will bring about a great new fresh flow of blessing in our lives as we begin to move muscles that we haven't moved for a while, as we need to redevelop positive new habits again as we transition. So there's two things that I want to look at today. First of all, as they re-entered the angle and re-entry uh, uh, of the, the people of God, as the nation of Israel entered into the promised land, was first of all, God wanted them to have an upward attitude, an upward attitude. What does that mean? He wanted them to look upward and to keep looking upward, despite whatever was going on around about them, to keep their eyes fixed on him. There were going to be a lot of distractions. There were going to be a lot of things that were going to cry out for their attention. There were a lot of things that were maybe going to take them off track. God said, I want you to keep your eyes fixed on me. I want you to keep focused on me. As you re-enter the angle of your vision, the angle of your focus needs to be right in order for you to enter into all of the blessing, all of the promises that I have for you. And God said to them in the book of Deuteronomy before they entered, don't forget, don't forget the Lord your God. When you come into a land filled with fields you didn't, uh, plow, vineyards you didn't plant, all the houses and all that you inherit. Don't forget it was me that brought you in. Don't forget that I took you out of slavery. I want you to have an upward purpose, an upward focus. But here's the other aspect of that. God said to them, I don't want you to forget your call and your purpose. As they went into the land, God wasn't just taking them into the land so that they could be blessed and life would be easy and, and they would no longer have the problems and the hardship that they'd experienced in the wilderness. No, the reason that God brought them into the land is that there was a special call and there was a special purpose on the people of God. And I think we need to remember more than ever in this season, we have a special call and we have a special purpose as God's people. As we re-enter, as we re-enter into gathering again as a church, as we re-enter into rebuilding uh, many of the things that we've been doing in the, in, in the past and the things that God has put in our hearts and our spirits for the future of the church, we've got to remember that we have a call and we have a purpose. And just like the nation of Israel had a call and a purpose, their call and their purpose was to be the people of God who were to be an example to all the surrounding nations 
of the blessedness of serving the one true God and that through that nation, the Messiah, the savior of the world, Jesus would be born and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Just like God had promised Abraham, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You'll be blessed, but you're being blessed to be a blessing. And we must never forget that any blessing that we experience is because God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the hope of the world. God knew that the people of Israel would become distracted. He knew that they would forget their purpose as a nation. He knew that they would forget their responsibility. And so all of these are examples to us so that we don't forget our purpose. We don't forget the responsibility that we have as a church. Jesus is the hope of the world. And the church is at the center of his plan. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think in the middle of all the disunity and the highly charged political environment and the tension that we're all feeling in the nation at this time, the division and the disunity, the violence and the hatred that's going on around about us, it's so important that we as a people of God, as we re-enter, as we enter this new season, that we don't forget our purpose. We have a call on our lives. We have a purpose for our lives to reach our world and to share the grace and love of Jesus with our world. And it's so easy to become distracted by the, all of the melee of all that's going on around about us. And to see uh, uh, all that's taking place as the solution to the pr social problems that we're facing as a nation. And of course, there are many things that are happening where where people are involved in making a difference in multiple areas of community to, to help others and to make our society a better place. And, and all of us can do our part in that. But at the end of the day, the, uh, the, 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 the root of the problem uh, is, is, is far deeper. All that we're seeing around about us is merely symptoms of a deeper spiritual problem in the world today. And the problem, the problem of disconnection from God, the problem of rejection of God's love and his uh, plan for us as his children, the sinful nature of our humanity, which is at the root of the problem, and all of the division, all of the disunity is the fruit of the root of that problem. Sin is at the root of the problem. And if the root of the problem isn't dealt with, the fruit will continue to grow. And if we focus solely on the fruit, we'll end up with an attitude that will, of, that will cause us to spiral downwards because dealing with the fruit, however much we try to remove the fruit, if the root is not dealt with, it will continue to spring up and grow. Jesus is the answer. Uh, the salvation that he can bring to us, the fact that we can be transformed as human beings, the fact that we can be changed into his likeness, the fact that we can see, work with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done. God wants our attitude as the church to be an upward attitude. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And the church is at the center of his plan. Not peripheral, but central to his plan. It's interesting that Jesus, one of Jesus' disciples was Simon the Zealot. He was a zealot who was involved with the zealots in a movement that wanted to overthrow the Romans and to eliminate them and, and to drive them out of the nation of uh, out of Palestine. And yet he became a disciple of Jesus. And what he was able to fulfill through his life as a disciple of Jesus could not be compared in its magnitude compared to what he would have been able to do as a zealot, as a part of that movement. Fundamentally, when we are working uh, as, as, as the body of Christ, working together to 
change our world, being the salt of the world, being the light of the, the world, we will see a transformation in our world that we could never see through our own human efforts or endeavors. Um, the second thing that, uh, that we see in this uh, re-entry was not just an upward focus and an upward angle or attitude, but an outward attitude. So there was an upward attitude and an outward attitude. God wanted to establish a community with a culture of people looking out for the needs of others. Their focus was not just to be on their own needs, but their focus was to be on the needs of others. And God was saying, I want you to re-enter with that attitude where you're not just looking out for yourselves, you're looking out for others, those that are weak, those that are downtrodden, those that are shut out, those that uh, are, are marginalized, that he wanted to create a, a, a culture and a community that had an outward focus and an outward attitude. So the angle and attitude of our reentry needs to be upward and outward. And I love in Deuteronomy 15, where in the word of God, God says to the nation of Israel, he says, listen, my will is not for there to be any poor among you. Um, and, and he said, if, if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited. I love that. God was saying, I don't want you to be a, a community that is simply focused on yourselves. At the end of every seven years, everyone's debts were canceled. What an amazing thing that would be. Their debts were canceled and they were able to have a fresh start because God didn't want people to live uh, disadvantaged. And, and so they were moving out of an environment of equality into an, a, a, a land with the seven nations that were all vying for power where there was a lot of inequality. And as time went by, the, the nation of Israel sadly moved from a nation that celebrated equality to a nation of inequality where, where inequality opened the door to exploitation. Exploitation opened the door to oppression. Oppression opened the door to slavery. And before long, the nation that were liberated as slaves were enslaving each other. What a tragedy that was. And the reason was that they lost their outward focus. They lost their upward focus and they lost their outward focus. The end result of idolatry, which is putting anything or anyone else above God, the net result of idolatry is always injustice, treating our neighbor uh, uh, poorly, taking advantage of our neighbor. And so God said, I want you to have an outward focus. I want you to, to create a, a, an environment where you, you have an outward attitude. One of the great Psalms, uh, is, is one, of the, one of the psalms that I love in Psalm 24 and verse 7. It's a powerful psalm, and this is what it says. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Well, that's a, an amazing psalm, but it's a curious psalm because in the first line, it says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never seen any gates lifting up their heads. And if we're to understand that passage of scripture, we can look to what happened in the gates of the cities in those days. Of course, the gates of the cities were the, the place that controlled everyone that came in or out of the city. The wealth of the nation flowed in the, through the gates and out through the gates. The gates were also the place where the leaders of the city met, the elders of the city met there, and they, they ratified legal contracts in the gates. Civil matters were judged in the gates. Judges made rulings in the gates. 
decisions were made in the gates. The gates were the decision-making place of every city. And so when it says, lift up your, the psalm says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, the psalmist is saying, you leaders, you people who sit in the gates, lift up your heads and look to the plight of those who are poor, of those who are downtrodden, of those who are alienated, of those who are marginalized. Lift up your heads, have an outward attitude. And it's so important that we understand what the, the psalmist is saying there when it comes to the way we approach our world. So if we have an outward attitude rather than an inward focus, if we are generous in looking to the needs of those around about us rather than simply looking after our own needs, this is what the psalmist says, the king of glory shall come in. Well, the psalm goes on to say, who is this king of glory? Let's read it. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah which means ponder, meditate upon that. I love that psalm because it speaks about how if we have an outward focus, an outward attitude, if we're looking to the needs of those around us, the king of glory is going to come in. That king of glory is Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The blessing and favor of God is going to be upon us if we're looking for the needs of others. Unfortunately, what happened when they went into the land is that the, the, the walled cities, instead of being places where people could be protected, where people could be, uh, find safety from the enemy, very often those that were poor were shut out outside the city walls and they became vulnerable and subject to the enemy who came and ravaged the land from time to time. So the psalmist is saying, God wants us to have that outward focus, that outward attitude. And if we do, God will bless us. I think one of the greatest examples of that is in the book of Isaiah, when Hezekiah built a, ton a tunnel that brought water into the city and he extended the walls of the city because he knew the Assyrians were coming to invade and all those who were outside the city walls were invited to come into the city walls. And when the enemy came and the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by 185,000 in the Assyrian army, when Hezekiah and when the people of God cried out to God, God miraculously uh, slew and wiped out the whole invading nation, all 185,000 in one night. And they were saved from the pillage and the cruelty and the barbarity of the barbarism of the uh, Assyrian army. What happened? Hezekiah lifted up his head and he saw the plight of the people. He invited them in and the king of glory worked an amazing miracle. This is what the book of Isaiah says about how God works in this way. Isaiah 58, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall spring forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. As we navigate, this corridor of re-entry. We are in a corridor of re-entry. We are doing 
this. We are in this corridor. We are re-entering, not just for ourselves, but for others. We are lifting our heads. We're opening our doors with an upward and an outward focus, extending our reach and making the effort for others. We're exercising those muscles maybe we haven't used for a while for the sake of others. Why? Because we hear the cry of those who are hurting. We hear the cry of those who are lonely. We hear the cry of those who, who are suffering with anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide. And we understand that the power of gathering, the power of connecting, the power of human connection is so integrally important to those people. And while we follow all of the protocols and while we gather in a safe manner, let's, let's understand that we have an opportunity as a church to be the answer of the need that we find all around us. We can tell from the statistics, the number of the increase, 8,000% increase in the number of calls to crisis lines in the first two months of COVID-19, 200% increase in teen suicide, and all of the other statistics that uh, relate to health and the well-being and the mental health of people in our world. We have an opportunity as we enter this corridor of re-entry that we do so with an upward attitude and we do so with an outward attitude so that we can be the answer to the world in which we are uh, re-entering. And when we do so, this is what the Psalm says, the King of glory shall come in. God will bless, God will have his hand of favor upon us and upon you because what we are doing is we are re-entering and we are aware of the importance of the angle of our re-entry and the attitude of our re-entry to see his kingdom come and his will be done in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I pray that this message was an encouragement to you, the angle and attitude of our re-entry. And uh, I wanna pray for you. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, you've never made a personal commitment of your life to Christ or invited Jesus into your heart, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. You don't have to earn God's forgiveness or forgiveness from God. You don't have to earn his, his approval. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And all you have to do is to accept what Jesus did. He will forgive you. He will wipe your slate clean. He'll give you a fresh start. He'll give you a new beginning. You say that's too easy. Well, Jesus did it for you and for me, and it's the free gift of salvation, and all you have to do is to accept it. You'll know his peace, you'll know his presence at work in your life. God will touch you in a special and unique way. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place so that my sins could be forgiven and I could have a fresh start. I ask you to forgive me and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Fill my heart with your spirit. Let me know your presence and your divine purpose in my life every day from this day on. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you that I will never be the same because you are now with me. You will never fail me. You will never forsake me. And I thank you today. I am a new creation. I have been born again. I am a child of God and I know it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, we'd love you to, to uh, contact, for you to contact us. We have some information, a booklet, some online, an online course that you can, uh, that you can, that we can send you. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, all the information is on the screens. We're so thrilled that you made that decision. And I'm believing that God's going to bless you um, more than you could ever imagine in the days ahead. 
congratulations on the greatest decision anyone could ever make. Cause all of our hope all of our trust in all of our future today, as we approach the end of our service, I want to take a moment to talk about our generosity and our giving. Of course, in the message that I just brought, I talked about the importance of having an outward focus. And God promises in his word that if we have an outward focus, as we read in that psalm, the King of glory will come in. When the King of glory comes in, when Jesus comes into our life and our world, he is the miracle worker. He's the one who multiplied the loaves and the fishes, turned the water into wine. Whenever God moves, he brings provision. And I want to encourage you as we re-enter uh, gathering as a church, but also in this season of transition, that we, that we are mindful of the importance of having an upward and an outward focus. And as we give today, I pray that God will bless you, that God will multiply what you sow, your offerings, your tithes, your donations, that God will, will uh, breathe upon them, multiply what you give, and that the King of glory, Jesus himself, will provide for every single need. Thank you for your generosity. Let's always be that storehouse that we can feed the hungry, whether it's in Santa Ana, whether it's people in our church community, whether it's people in need that we can provide food, natural, spiritual, and emotional food for each and every one. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for all that you have given to us, everything we have, comes from you and when we give back to you when when we give we know we are simply giving back to you what you gave to us but you promise that you will always outgive us you will always give back more give and it will be given to you pressed down shaken together and running over so we thank you for that today may what is given make an eternal difference in people's lives 
And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you were able to join us today. Um, I want to remind you that next Saturday evening, we're having our uh, a worship and communion evening. That's Saturday, the 17th of October. And then we are, we are uh, prayerfully looking at uh, reopening uh, and re-entry, opening the doors of our building to meetings early November. Keep, uh, we want to keep you posted. Uh, let's be prayerful at this time and we will let you know uh, exactly what those dates are as we move closer. Everything is moving and changing very rapidly. But thankfully, we can put our trust in God. God is on the throne. He is sovereign. And today as we, as we close, I want to pray that the Lord would bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you now and forevermore. Look forward to seeing you all again soon. God bless you.